This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. What's up, everybody? This is Nick. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Before you get started, just a quick warning. My audio on this episode is pretty terrible thanks to some operator error on my microphone settings. But anyways, if you can bear with a little bit echoey on my part, uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. If it's too much to handle, don't worry. We'll be back soon with another great episode. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Nine of the top ten players in the world squared off at the Genesis Invitational in Los Angeles, California. And none of them won, Nick. None of those pool- – wait a minute. Is Adam Scott in the top ten? I should ask you that first. before we. He is, yeah. Uh, well, one of them won. It was Adam Scott, <laughs> winner of the Genesis Invitational. His first win in four years, was it not? Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> he won the Australian PGA, like, really recently. I yeah, might have been his last start. Four years. Well, you shouldn't specify. Give me something. I'm having a rough you're start. You're blowing up all my Adam Scott research. It's not even a minute into this podcast. <laughs> Welcome in to At The Turn. We're going to do a little recap of the Genesis Invitational because there were so many top players in it this year. Kind of an elevated event now. Tiger, the host of it. Uh, but Nick, Adam Scott, the winner. Yeah. Um, so he's been on kind of a tear lately. As I mentioned in the intro, he won the Australian PGA. Uh, now he wins the Genesis. So a couple big wins. He's in the top 10 in the world. Um, he, it, it was really interesting. Actually watching this tournament was one of the most interesting of the year because it was the first time I felt like the course was a major factor and guys, it really got the best of, of a really good field for a lot of guys. I mean, I think minus three was the best score anybody shot in the final round on Sunday. Um, so it was interesting to watch him in, in feel like he has to play well in order to win and he could easily make a double bogey somewhere in that back nine and it could be anybody's ball game and he didn't do it. So it was, it was fun to watch him uh, pull it off and, and he made a double on the front nine where he made that triple on the front nine. Um, it was kind of carnage all over the place. So it was, I thought a really fun event. 
And maybe something we can touch on a little bit later, Joe, but I think all those guys who suffered from the anchor putting ban are starting to come back. Let's touch on it now. So are you talking just Webb and Adam? Are those the, are those the two main data points you're hitting with guys who kind of fell off, who were major champions, and now are starting to return to yeah. form? Those guys are, are, the, are the two most prominent. Keegan Bradley also is in that mix. Bernie Ells won the Open Championship putting with a, with a belly putter. Um, but yeah, Adam Scott was number one in the world in 2013 when they announced this putting bit and the band it's kind of interesting because i did a little bit of research but it's kind of hard to pinpoint when guys started falling off because they announced in 2013 that they were going to have this band but it didn't go into effect until 2016 so they started a tinker they had a trial a trial and error period they could go back to the to the belly putter if they wanted to for a couple years in there but adam scott was number one for a while um, in 2013. He was number two for a long time also. Um, he dropped all the way down to number 83 in the world in the time being, and then now he's back up to number seven. Um, Webb Simpson was up to number five in the world in 2012. He dropped down all the way to number 95. And now again, he's back in the top 10. He's number eight this week. So two of the guys in the top 10 were in the top 10 almost 10 years ago basically had to completely redo half their game and now back in the top 10. Yeah. And both have won very recently, uh, Webb winning in Phoenix. Now Adam Scott winning in LA. Generally speaking, Nick, do you think the belly putter should be banned? Um, yeah, I do. Why? I think it's a good ban because it, the, the reason why they banned it is it basically was the only stroke in golf where you, you weren't using your, your hands as a free swinging motion. You know, you have it anchored and you know what I mean? You're, you're taking away that human skill. And I think there, golf asks to show your skill. So when you take that part out of it, um, it's not what the intention of the game was to be. And it's not, it's not what golf is supposed to be asking you. So I definitely get it. I think, I think it's definitely unfortunate that it was kind of this anchored putting was kind of discovered and then it got really hot. I mean, even guys that weren't known as anchor putters tinkered with it. I saw Justin Rose kind of tried it out and was, was, you know, thinking about doing it. Ernie Els was a guy who did it. He won the British open doing it, but he wasn't, you know, a full-time anchor guy. So it was just getting to a point in the early two thousands there where it was like, okay, is this really what we want to become? And they said, you know what? No, this isn't, this isn't what the intention was to be. So they, so I, I, I get the ban. To me, it just seems so arbitrary and it did at the time considering where, Distance has gone in golf to draw the line at this seems somewhat arbitrary. And your point is taken that you're taking some of the skills, the wrong word, but I would say challenge, maybe challenge. Yeah, because the opportunity to screw up is greater <laughs> when the putter is not jammed into your gut. Now, there's a lot of television police out there who love to call in and say, oh, well, you see this, this putter is anchored up against their forearm or their wrist and trying to come up with a thing to say how these guys are still cheating. Um, that's annoying. 
It's so funny you say that because we turn on the, the golf coverage this weekend and my wife is like, that putter is anchored. What is he doing? And that's illegal. And I'm like, first of all, the fact that you even know that. And second of all, that you would call it out and get so worked up over it. But it's so funny because, yeah, people see the way that they're putting now with the with the top hand essentially serving as that anchor, um, which is within the rules. But, yeah, it looks it looks very similar. It does. The whole thing is weird. It's it. It feels like there's a ban that's not really enforced. I mean, sure, there's the thing where you actually it's like stuck angry. it in your gut. I get that, but it just doesn't feel like. It just it just feels totally arbitrary to me. I don't get it, Nick. I don't. I don't get it. So, do you think that those guys are still anchoring and they're just sneaking it because they have that that top hand there? I think they might be, but my more overarching point is I don't care if <laughs> you don't they care. are. I really don't. Uh, I, I was trying to get a hot take out of you. I was trying to get go, you to call them out. <laughs> go with God. Like, you know, they wouldn't let Slam and Sammy do the side saddle back in the day. When you see videos of Sam Sneed doing the side saddle putting, which is essentially where, for folks that aren't familiar, you are standing next to the golf ball. So say you are actually facing the hole right? Your body is oriented toward the hole and the putter is to the right of you and you're actually on the side of it. So it's called side saddle. It's really cool to watch. I don't know why they decided this one putting stroke is illegal. It seems like we take this weird stand on stuff and then we just latch onto it. And that's what happened with belly putters. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's a relic because you back when this was becoming like super hot, it was really just when I was starting to get into golf. And so I'd, I'd see people with these, with these super long putters and it was just kind of the norm. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, these are going away. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't really, don't really carry the way, but I, I think it's probably overall, I think it's probably better. I think it's probably more along how the game was intended to be played. Well, one thing about Adam Scott that I always enjoy to kind of bring it round back to him is for folks that did not see young Tiger Woods swing a golf club, just watch Adam Scott. Adam Scott's swing is literally Tiger Woods from the early part of his career, and Tiger eventually changed it multiple times, famously and kind of infamously. But if you have a split screen of Tiger Woods in the year 2000 and Adam Scott Kind of at any point in his career, it is identical. It's pretty spooky to watch. And Adam Scott has been one of the ball, best ball strikers in the world for 20 years. So obviously that method works. I'm glad he's back. I think Adam Scott is a very compelling golfer. Um, kind of criticized as a bit of a head case probably when he was peaking during his career. Probably his most infamous moment, his most famous moment was winning the Masters, becoming the first Australian to win the Masters. That's the only major he's won. But his most infamous moment, you mentioned Ernie Els winning the British Open. How Ernie Els won the British Open in 2012? <laughs> Adam Scott bogeyed the last four holes. Last four holes. He had a, a two-shot lead. He bogeys the last four holes. Ernie Els gets in a playoff, wins that playoff. Adam Scott Eventually wins the Masters, getting the monkey off his back. But he's always been viewed as a guy, despite this being, I think, his 14th PGA Tour win. He's always been viewed as a guy who didn't really get a lot out of his game. And I really like that he's having sort of this rejuvenation with his career. It all kind of started a couple years ago with making that really high finish at the PGA Championship, where he finished second to Brooks, and he was kind of in the hunt. 
And that has sort of led to this career rejuvenation, kind of culminating with this win at the Genesis. And now we have four majors ahead of us. I'm curious to see if he competes. Yeah, I mean, another thing you touched on, his swing, it was awesome on Sunday because he was paired with Rory. So really two of the sweetest swings in golf right next to each other in the last group until Rory kind of uh, got out of the mix there in the back nine. But it it was pretty awesome watching those guys uh, duke it out for the front nine. I mean, I think it was his tee shot on 17. Rory and Adam both blasted it down the middle. But watching Rory hit the driver is... I mean, I don't know what gets you going, Nick, but that is one of the sexiest things I've ever seen in my life is watching Roy McIlroy swing a driver. The balance and power that man has in his golf swing is incomparable. True. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, but it's frustrating because you're like, how do I get that much power out of my body? Which is, should, seems like it's bigger than Rory's. I mean, Rory like works out and he's kind of a jack dude, but he's not. He's he's basically my height. He's like, got a small like a, frame. Yeah, he's he's jacked. He's he's muscular, but he's got a small frame. Yeah. So, folks, it's all about rhythm. Find that rhythm and flexibility, <laughs> yeah. and you'll be just fine. Uh, so, from the guy who finished first to the guy who finished last. Tiger Woods. Oh, no. <laughs> what happened? I saw him make an eagle on his first hole, Nick. 69, 73, 76, 77. Are we going to do the whole, are we worried about Tiger thing? I'm not going <laughs> to. Let's do I'm it. I'm not doing it. Is it time to hit the panic button? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried about Tiger at all. Look. This is the tournament Tiger has played the most in his career without getting a win. It's not like Tiger dominates Riviera. He's never won here before in the PGA Tour, and he grew up in L.A. So it's not like this is Torrey Pines or Pebble or, you know, Firestone, courses that Tiger has dominated traditionally over his career, and he had this horrible weekend, and we got to start freaking out. He's never won at Riviera. So I don't really take much from it. And he had the added responsibilities of now being the host of this tournament. This is now sort of in line with the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the Memorial Tournament, where it has this elevated status. You're talking about kind of the three greats of the PGA Tour, Tiger, Arnie, and Jack. So a lot of that is probably going on as well. He had that brutal four-putt on Saturday, kind of sent everything spiraling out of control. Um, I'm overall not concerned. I don't, I, don't, I don't care. How about his decision to not play uh, this week in the WGC Mexico? Did it surprise you at all? Um, I, I've been out of town, but let me just confirm this with you. Is the WGC Mexico a major? Um, I have to check the status. You know what it is, Joe? It's free world golf ranking points, which essentially free Olympic qualification points. It's free money. It's free FedEx Cup points. He he's obviously qualified, being in the top ten in the world, um, and choosing not to play one of the four WGCs. So no, it's not a major. But is it surprising that he would skip it, especially? Maybe I'm making too big of a deal of the Olympics, but if he's saying he wants to qualify and he's he's skipping this event, I, I don't know. Here's what Tiger said. Uh, I just felt like I wasn't going to be ready for next week. I'm a little run down, and playing at altitude as well isn't going to help that. So take the week off. So he's chalking it up to wasn't going to wasn't going to do well, not feeling great, wanted to rest. Okay. So from the altitude perspective, well, first let me just say this. Um, I'm not going to say that this shows us 
that Tiger doesn't care about making the Olympic team, but perhaps it's a signal that it's not as important to him as perhaps we would have hoped or thought coming into the year, considering his prospects for making it on the team if he finishes well in events like this. So I get I get that. But money, FedEx Cup points, Tiger doesn't care. About he doesn't care, for sure. No. For sure. Um, now, as far as playing at altitude, let me just hit this real quick, because I've always been a big goofball and said – can we can we can we chill on the altitude thing? Playing at altitude is totally blown out of proportion. And to kind of take it from so for those that don't know, I also host uh, a basketball show for the Blazers. I do their post game show, and we had a former Blazer on when they were playing the Denver Nuggets in a basketball series. So I thought, great, what an opportunity! Darnell Valentine, he's in his sixties, jacked, jacked dude. He could run you into the ground even today. Very impressive guy, very mild mannered. So. I sit there, I ask, and I said, Darnell, we have this big debate on the show all the time. Does playing at altitude actually make a difference? And he just looks over me and goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, it makes a difference. It takes about 10 minutes to catch your breath. You need timeouts early. It makes a huge difference. So ever since a very finely tuned professional athlete told me that I'm just a little goofball, correct, I take the altitude stuff a lot more seriously than I used to. So I think there's some merit to what Tiger is saying regarding that this specific event, you got to leave the country at altitude. It's a whole thing. I kind of understand. Okay. I mean, I never, that's an interesting tidbit about the altitude because I always thought it was kind of an excuse. Um, I never, I travel quite a bit, Joe. I've I've never noticed a difference. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an elite athletic. Pro. I'm, not, I'm not constantly like riding my bike across the country like one of those one of those pros. But I've never been like, oh man, who I must be at altitude. I'm really having a hard time catching my breath. He he was in he like the, his reaction, and we had had like a five to seven minute conversation preceding that where I was very impressed. Um, you know, obviously a very polished dude. Played in the NBA for 15 years. And his reaction was so shocked that I thought the altitude thing was a myth that it leads me to believe that, yes, it is in fact a thing. And even though we may think of it as an excuse that, yeah, it's real. It, it actually affects these guys quite a bit. What about the difference between competing in an NBA basketball game at altitude versus playing golf at altitude? Sure. Uh, I would say this. There are, aside from Vince Carter, very few NBA basketball players that are Tiger Woods' age. So I'm not saying that playing golf takes the toll on your body, that it does running up and down a court for 40 minutes, not even close. But leaving the country, altitude, the nature of the event, a course that Tiger isn't really familiar with, so he'd probably have to catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle to even have a good finish. Um I don't even know if he's played at this event. Maybe maybe once or twice at the most. But I just think all of that combined, it doesn't surprise me. Now, if this was, say, Bay Hill or Doral or the Memorial, again, if it was a tournament that traditionally Tiger has done well at, I'd be surprised. This one, I'm, I'm not. Despite the WGC, the no cut, the FedEx, the Olympics, all that kind of stuff. I do remember seeing a couple of years ago that Vince Carter signed like a three-year NBA contract. He's not still playing, is he? Vince Carter is still in the NBA. He's, He's an Atlanta Hawk. Yeah. Um, he, I think, has played in four decades now because he started in the 90s, yeah. 2000s, the 10s, and now the 20s. Um, 
And Unbelievable. People think he's going to retire, but he's not said anything about him retiring. He's like a really solid veteran player. You know, Vince Has Carter he ever is like retired. No, Vince Carter is like sixth all time in made three pointers in NBA history. I mean, he's I can't. The last time he wasn't in the NBA, I was like in fourth grade, so yeah. it makes sense, folks. Um, reason to watch a Hawks game. Check out Vince Carter. Seriously, I'm gonna have to check one out sometime. Um, okay, enough on Vince Carter. Enough yeah, on I'm, enough I'm on the WGC. Saying, do you have Do you have anything else on Riviera? Uh, not not particularly. I, I threw out there that it should host the U.S. Open, just just based on the way that it was playing, and it, and it has once. I believe it was 1948, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it ju- just watching guys play that course and get around it, um, and then obviously with the whole shenanigans to go through with the USGA and the U.S. Open every single June with like tricking out courses like it just kind of makes sense that they could bring it there and not have to really go too crazy to to satisfy their goal of having the winning score being around par yeah i mean it's it hosted the pga championship more recently in 95 won by uh steve elkington and then in 83 it also hosted the pga championship so i could see that being a little more realistic it seems like for established courses like Riviera, once you're, I think it's probably really tough for a golf course to get back into the rotation if you're not a new golf course or you haven't been in the rotation every so often, right? Like, right. can you, besides Beth Page, which I think is probably still in the rotation for U.S. Opens, I can't think of a course that has that is not, you know, like a 75, 50, 100 years old that is actually in the U.S. Open rotation right now. So, well, I think it would be cool. Um, the fact that this is like one of Tiger's signature events, um, I think they'll probably, I, I see where you're coming from. I'd be very surprised if they'd actually do that because of where this tournament is right now in stature. The fact that it was such a big week, so much fanfare around it. You have uh, a sexy winner, Rory, in the, Final group, you know, Kuchar's <laughs> in there. That's that's you got whatever. A man crushing Adam Scott. What's that? So you got a man crushing Adam Scott. Oh, sexy swing. He's an attractive man. It's all good. Also, by the way, if I can for just ten seconds, is yeah. there a less scary person breathing down your neck than Matt Kuchar? Boy, oh, Adam Scott, <laughs> give me a break. Like Adam Scott had what? It was like a twelve-foot birdie putt on seventeen to make it a two-shot lead. If he misses and Cooch makes, it's a tie ball game. Cooch yeah. misses, Scott makes, two-shot swing, ball game at that point. Like, no intimidation at all. Yeah, you maybe I was, I was impressed by – I was pretty – I was pretty impressed by Coocher. Um, Even when he hit bad shots, his his touch was nice. He, he was always getting himself back into the – you know, every single pitch shot and his long putts were within a foot or two. So – Cooch, Cooch, a nice, uh, a nice top three, top five for Cooch. Did he finish second? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he did. He finished tied for second, seventy-two. And I'm not gonna kill him for shooting seventy-two, but he was. He had the tournament. He did. I don't know. I would disagree with that. You would. Yeah, just because he had the lead going to the last day doesn't mean. I mean, a lot, to, a lot can be decided, especially on that course with how tough it was playing. I, I don't think there's any any fault for. Not sealing the deal. 
let me let me let me pose it this way. <laughs> Would you have been more surprised if Kucher finished it off than anyone else winning this tournament in the last two groups? Um, I'd have been more surprised if Kucher finished it off. Yeah, I know. He's just he's he's not someone who finishes off golf tournaments with big names breathing down his neck. The biggest example was the 2017 British Open, where Spieth probably cheated a little bit with the whole driving range thing. Oh God, that thing was that was a mess. <laughs> yeah, that was a disaster. Hey, um, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna spend too much time doing this because my feelings about Kucher quite well known. I think he's a phony baloney. Had a good week. Good for him. It was it was it was, it was great. All right. Joe, Anything else for Genesis? No. Okay, well, I have a surprise for you, Nick. But before we do that, you know, we talked about drivers and putters a lot, but um, <laughs> it's not the most important thing in your bag. You know what is, Nick? I do know what is. It's got to be a rangefinder. I played golf today, Joe. Which what? February golf in New England. It was pretty incredible. Um, I didn't have a watch or my rangefinder on me. I was just, I was just guessing yardages. There was no yardage stakes in the ground. <laughs> so like, well, I was Bob Morris out there. Literally out there just like, eh, looks like it could be a seven iron. <laughs> no, no yardage indicators whatsoever. How dialed in was your distance? Um, it was fine. I actually was pretty impressed with, with judging just by looks what club to pull. Okay, so... Great, you're in mid-season form. Golf season hasn't even started yet. Yeah, but nonetheless, I really wish I would have had a rangefinder today. Well, folks, you don't be like Nick. Get a rangefinder. You got to know your distances. How are you going to hit more greens if you're not dialed in? Go to Precision Pro Golf. What deal do we have for the patrons, Nick? Is it 20 bucks off of any, any rangefinder of their choice? Any rangefinder, $20 off. If you go and you find one that's already on sale... Save $10 off the lowest sale price. How do they do it? They enter code at the turn? At the turn at checkout at precisionpro.com. Save that money. Get yourself a rangefinder. It's time. It's time to do it. Save 10 or 20 bucks. At the turn is the promo code. Swing with confidence. Hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Nick, I'm just coming back from a getaway with my sweetheart, and we had a conversation over dinner. You came up, believe it or not. Oh, very nice. And I said, this is so strange that one of my dear friends and podcast partner for coming up on three years has a job with the PGA of New England. Nick, I don't have the foggiest idea what you do on a daily basis, what your job is. You work in golf. Your job, the PGA signs your checks, baby. I don't know what to do. <laughs> this is insane. This is a failure on my part to communicate. And I thought, instead of having a normal phone call, let's use this forum. I want to hear about your job. Tell me about what you do. First of all, you work for the PGA of New England. Is that correct? Well, the PGA of America is made up of 41 sections. And so it is... The New England PGA or the New England section, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say the PGA of New England, but you would say the New England section, yes. See, already I'm learning. This there is we go. great. Yeah, a little, so, a little education. You've been there for has, – has it been over a year? It's been over a year. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so – So, like, what do you do, bro? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's communications, right? You're doing your I'm a people person. <laughs> 
um Tell well lots of space I'm reference just, I just yeah no so i'm the i'm the marketing and communications manager so so basically um so we have like over 100 tournaments between our professional tournaments we have an amateur series junior tour uh, a bunch of cha- there's six chapters that make up our section they all have tournaments they have championships um so i'll promote our tournaments make sure that guys are signing up you know hey registration opens on this day closes on this day uh in the off season we do a lot of education so to be a pga member you have to get a certain number of uh like credits every three years and so we offer like education seminars and so we'll promote those things i'm actually going to give an education seminar at the end of this month uh so guys pga members will be getting pga credits for attending a seminar that i'll be hosting uh, on on social media uh, later this month, so we promote that stuff. We do um, a magazine every month or two with uh, you know feature stories on our professionals. Um, so one of our biggest things, so we have a section championship. So all the guys in our section, there's like 1,100 PJ professionals in our section. We have a championship uh, for all those guys, and the top like 12 guys from that tournament go to the national. PGA professional championship where there's like 320 guys and the top 20 from that tournament go to the PGA championship. So there's a lot of promotion around that and, um, you know, telling their stories like the, that, that national championship is coming up in April. So just basically telling the stories of these guys and, and, uh, you know, all that marketing communication stuff. God. Yeah. That was the one that they, didn't they have that at, um, Central Oregon for years and years at Crosswater, or am I am I thinking of something else? Um, I think it changes every locations every year, but I I want to say in 2018 it was somewhere in Oregon. Yeah, and probably with the changing of when the PGA Championship is, I'm sure they've they've <laughs> found locations where in April it's a lot more uh, amenable weather wise than it is in Central Oregon. Right. Like last year it was in South Carolina the year before, or this year, I think it's, I think it's in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So does that, does that really explain it? I mean, I don't know if that, uh, it It sounds like you got your hands in a whole bunch of things, but it sort of revolves around communications and, and disseminating information about the PGA locally, nationally doing different things. It's very exciting, man. I'm I'm just so happy for you that you've, you've, you know, it's, 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 it's funny because uh, I go to like some of these seminar, like these education things. We have like an online education platform. So we'll go and film these seminars that people are putting on and then upload them. And then people can get credits for watching them online. And I've gone to film them. Like I play golf today and I'm like going through these tips that I learned from like filming this seminar. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's like it's almost like free golf lessons sometimes. <laughs> Which could be dangerous, but so far it could be could be helpful. I'm optimistic so, for 2020, man. Are the perks as good as us civilians would think they are? Like, what is what is the coolest thing about working for the PGA of America? I, I could go to the Ryder Cup this year. I could get Ryder Cup tickets. So <laughs> I think that's probably the coolest thing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there, there's there's some. Some good. Like I went to the PJ Championship last year. Took took my wife. We went on Saturday. Um, I, I, that's pretty cool. All the PJ professionals, not myself, not included. Like the only thing the section, the staff doesn't get is Masters tickets. But all PJ professionals can get Masters tickets, which is incredible. But yeah, um, I'd say 
and say access to the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I think I think pretty... I think it's only USA Ryder Cup. So, so if I don't go this year, I have to wait four more years. So I'm like, I might try to make a quick trip. Like, I don't know if there's such thing as a quick trip to Whistling Straits, but um, I might have to try to make it happen. That sounds incredible, man. Yeah, if you if you can swing that, you you got to do it. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Also, the calendar. <laughs> well, good. That no, I think that's a great synopsis. It's a good rundown. I'm glad you were happy to share what you do. It's just exciting that you work for the PGA. So. Bully to you. Do people listen? Do your colleagues listen to this? Uh, I don't think so. Probably just the one that uh, that he, one, of my, one of my colleagues was on. Other than that, probably yeah. Not. <laughs> Hell yeah. What's up, dude? Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, so, Nick, we are getting real close to the start of posting season. Uh, I joined a men's club. I'm very excited. Me and my old man. Tell me about it. So an actual golf club or, or just like a – an actual men's club. So, so it's. You're, why, why are you calling it a men's club? Well, that's what it is. What do you mean? Okay. It sounds like Air Club for Men or something when you say it like that. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, well, I'm not sure what the specific. Are you a member of a golf course? No. So okay. it is a very much. It is a public golf course in Portland, Glendevere, the course that I grew up on. And I was part of the men's club. 10, 11 years ago when I was in college and I did it for a summer and you play in the club championship and you play in certain events throughout the year and there's a normal Sunday game where there's different games and you play and you post and camaraderie and yada, yada, yada. So I I'm doing you. that again with my pop. Uh, first week, is, we, we play Sunday mornings in March 1st, which <laughs> may have already passed. Look, I haven't touched a club since mid-November. I got to get out there and start figuring it out because uh, I have no yeah, idea dude. what I'm doing. And... Yeah, posting season is nearly here, Nick. Yeah, it's it's we we've I'm gonna say we've gotten through winter. It's been a really mild winter up here. Like I said, I just played golf today. It's February like what seventeenth, eighteenth. So uh, yeah, I think it's a little sooner for you. You can start posting March first. March first is when we start posting up here. Yeah, we're, we're April first out here, but yeah, it's still still nonetheless gives me an extra month to get it together a little bit. Yeah, I just. <laughs> A quick clarification, because I feel like there was a connotation of, like, sitting in a smoke-filled room with yeah. cigars and brandy and women can't walk into the clubhouse. It's, it's nothing like that. It is nothing like that. It's just called the Glendevere's Men's Club. That's all it is. Right. Just so you're not, the member, you're not a member of a golf club. You're just a member of a club within the golf course. Exactly right. So you pay 75 bucks. $50 mm -hmm. of that goes to gin so you get your handicap up so you handicap through the golf course and then 25 of that goes to a pot for different tournaments throughout the year everyone pays it and that's what it's for so it's not like i'm actually joining a club and i get to play for free i still got to pay for green fees all these sorts of things but we get handicaps and then you know yeah. we get a chance to win the club championship and they have a few other tournaments throughout the year so you know it's kind of something to keep me honest to stay on the golf course every week you know you don't have to play every sunday but it's a reason to get out there and say, okay, are you going to play this week or not? So hopefully I play more golf. It'll be fun to do with my dad. He's in his mid-60s now. So, you know, he's probably only got like 10 more years of real good golf left in him. Hopefully it's more. <laughs> but I got to squeeze it out of him while I can. So it should be a good summer. That's awesome, man. We'll uh, have fun with that. It should we, be a lot we, of fun. So I guess my point is, Nicholas, what's, what's, what's next on the calendar for us? Whew. Well, not the WGC Mexico. I think the players is in March this year. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Should we should we try to get Smoot back on to talk about we gotta get Smoot back on to, to talk about like getting ready for the golf season. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Some tips and tricks and drills, something like that. 
Yeah, we'll get Smoot back on for sure. I also um, have a couple other ideas in the back of my head. I'm not ready to uh, put out there publicly yet, but but uh, stay tuned. I can't wait. I can't wait till the podcast ends. I just don't want to. I just don't want to promise anything to the fans if we don't end up, you know, fulfilling. I love that philosophy: under promise, over deliver. Exactly. Um, should we Should we wrap it up? Yeah, man, we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back with uh, Justin Smoot in uh, late February or March. I hope he's uh, hope he's listening and, uh, and wants to jump on. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Smoot's a riot. Also, Smoot, if you're listening, Lacey is very concerned that you don't remember her from the epic bus ride you two had together on the way to Nick's wedding. I know that's not true. It was a special bond you two formed. And if you're not listening, I'm certainly going to ask you about that when you come in the podcast next. Uh, one more time, Precision Pro, get yourself a rangefinder. The year is now at the turn. Is the promo code save twenty bucks, or you save ten if you see a rangefinder on sale? Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. This was fun, Nick. All right, see you later. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.